the Optimalist Podcast, where we examine the higher order capabilities we need for an optimal future with AI. I'm Sarah, your host for this exploration of mindfulness, attention, focus, motivation, and engagement, all elements of human flourishing. So how do we cultivate them? Today, I speak with Lauren Kaufman. She is the Director of Literacy K-12 for a school district in Long Island, New York. And before I go on, I'll just say there's so much Lauren has contributed to that you're bound to be connected to something she's done or someone she's worked with. With over 18 years in education, she served as an assistant principal, elementary instructional coach, an elementary and middle school reading specialist, a new teacher mentor coordinator for K-12, creativity camp enrichment program supervisor, and a second and fifth grade classroom teacher. Her professional passion is to empower teachers to lead so they can share their gifts with others and develop lifelong literacy practices in all learners. Lauren enjoys sharing her learning through blogging on her own platform. She is a contributing author in George Curris's book, Because of a Teacher, Laney Rowell's book, Evolving with Gratitude, IGI Global's Designing Effective Distance and Blended Learning Environments K-12, is an author for Edutopia, and a guest blogger for the Teach Better team, Future Ready Schools, and Defined. Lauren appreciates sharing best literacy practices with colleagues and wholeheartedly believes in developing powerful professional learning communities and networks that cultivate meaningful, relevant learning and growth. Listen as Lauren and I discuss building connection and relationships in a school organization by leading through a coaching mindset. All this and more in today's conversation. Having kids learn how to read and capture very amazing things from text and have those aha moments, it it lit me up inside. Uh, there's nothing better than seeing kids happy that they're learning new things. So yeah. it, it really got me excited to explore literacy a little bit further. So when a position opened in my home district where I grew up, I even though it was a leave replacement, I said, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And that's when I became a reading specialist. And after that time, I was kind of tapped on the shoulder. My, my district was going for job embedded professional learning. And someone said to me, Lauren, do you think you might like instructional coaching? You already do this as a reading specialist. Uh, why don't, why don't you just apply for the role? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. But you know what? I decided to take a risk. I jumped into it and I was, I served in that role for five years. Then the pandemic happened, and there were a lot of changes happening in my district, and I decided that I was going to go to the middle school level to teach reading to 6th, 7th, and 8th graders, and that was an interesting time because it was during COVID, and I was teaching physically and virtually simultaneously, and I learned more about teaching and learning that year Mm, than I had learned the 15 years prior. Um, <laughs> uh, so that was a great, uh, learning experience. And then after that, I decided I was going to take the leap into leadership. And after going through several interviews, I landed in such an amazing district, uh, in Long Island, New York, where I served as an assistant principal. And here I am today. Now I'm kind of back to my roots. I'm the director of literacy K-12 and I'm in the same amazing district. So every single role that I've served in has taught me so much about students and how they learn 
and relationships and connecting with people and um, just staying on the cutting edge of best practice. I've never been in, in one spot uh, for my whole <laughs> career. So I take I everything that. that I learn with me. Yeah, I take everything from everybody um, that I, you know, I've learned from and I apply it to where I am today. So that that's where I am now. I do love the the way you described almost like the full circle path that you're coming back to to what it is that you love and combining that with leadership. And so I am wondering if you feel that that kind of I don't know if it maybe it's a passion now, but I guess like that real pull towards being a leader for other educators is something that kind of was always bubbling up inside of you. Did you always have a little bit of that that people noticed? Yes. Uh, so I think that we all have a leader living inside us mm-hmm. at a very young age. And I think it takes some special mentors and teachers and friends, uh, whomever it is that crosses your path to recognize those gifts. And, you know, I always believe it's really in the small interactions that we have in the small moments in our daily lives that add up to the big things. And they really shape who you were, who you are, and who are you are continuously striving to be. So when I was in fourth grade, for example, my teacher, Mrs. Roth, who I still keep in touch with to this day, she serves as a mentor to me because she retired as an assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. Um, she knew I was a struggling reader and at times a struggling learner. And she used to have me go to other classrooms to read to the younger students. She said, Lauren, you're a leader. You could do this, right? So at the time, I didn't realize it because I was a struggling reader that she was using this as a strategy to really empower me, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, to, to, To cultivate my confidence in a space where I wasn't most comfortable. So yes, at a very young age, uh, there have been people placed in my path who have given me advice, who've given me support, who have nurtured and shaped who I am as a leader today. And whether that interaction happened for moments, minutes, hours, days, years, that shaped who I am still becoming today. I always say every interaction is important, even the ones that are unfavorable, because you learn for the, from those experiences right. too. You know, you, you think about what you wouldn't do, right. right? And I'm thinking about how probably when you were growing up, when you're encountering all of these experiences that now shape who you are today, and this goes for anybody listening as well, we probably wouldn't have used, um, you know, the teachers that you had when you were a child probably were not using something like the phrase coaching mindset at that time. But it sounds like that is very much like what you were experiencing. A lot of elements of what we would say go into that kind of leadership today. And so I'm thinking about um, everything that you're saying about connecting. Like That's a relationship that she built with you just by kind of giving you that opportunity right? She's building a relationship of trust with a student. And so I'm thinking about how that, all of that kind of ties into the way I know that coaching is a big thing in your, in your position right now. And so I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about that. Is that, you know, the building of relationships and connecting to, I guess, other 
educators? Like how, what does that look like in your, in your role? Sure. Some of the things I think about when I'm approaching leadership is that there are no titles to me in an organization. Mm -hmm. We are all here rowing in the same direction, serving our most important stakeholders, which are our students. You know, we're preparing students for a world of jobs that we don't even know exist yet, right? But what is at the heart of all of that? You know, in a world where we are embracing technology, uh, tapping into AI, all of that stuff, no, nothing is going to replace the human connection, human intelligence. We talk about artificial intelligence Mm -hmm. and how it can help us. Yeah. But there's that human intelligence and, you know, to really stay connected to, to who we are and what we value. So when I approach leadership, it's very much with a coaching mindset. And the first thing I think about is that we are all connected at the core. Um, we're all pieces of this puzzle, right? And when you put a puzzle together, what do you get? You get the bigger picture, right? So collectively, we all have to work together and be that piece of the puzzle to make Whatever it is we want to happen, happen to bring a mission and a vision to fruition in whatever organization we're serving in. So that connected at the core is really important. Uh, I think it's always important to meet people where they are, to honor people, to honor people's perspectives. We all come from different backgrounds. We were all raised differently. Right. We all have um, a different understanding in how to approach things. So I think part of being a leader is to meet people where they are and to listen and to value that perspective. Um, and then building trust. You know, fr- trust is the foundation of all that we do. You want people to come to you with the good, the bad, and the mm-hmm. ugly, Right. Uh, there are a lot of things that come up on a day-to-day basis. A lot of things we we, we have to problem find and problem solve. Uh, problem finding is sometimes harder than problem solving, mm-hmm. right? Because if we problem solve together, we already know, we already identified the problem, right? But sometimes it's harder to find the problem. Um, and sometimes when people come to me with an issue, it's not usually about that issue, When we get deeper into a conversation, it's usually about something else that's a trigger for that issue. So having that trust and having people come to you with their concerns and even with their celebrations is so important in leadership. Um, And to be there as an active listener, you know, you don't always have to respond to people. And I might say to people as a leader, you know, are you telling me this because you just want a listening ear? Mm-hmm. Are you telling me this because you want some advice? Are you telling me this because you want me to help you develop a solution? Because sometimes people just want you to listen. Right. They just want you to hear them out and then they feel so much better and they walk away. So that's important. Yeah, a lot a lot of the way you're describing elements of this mindset and elements of of how you, I guess, operate as a leader. It feels like it's almost therapeutic the way you're describing it. It should feel like a natural path to growth. It's growth, individual growth through the relationship that people have with you and with each other. That's that's how I'm imagining the connection build as I hear you talk about each one of these elements. Yeah. I mean, you're, and I want to put this out there, Sarah, to your audience too, is I am not perfect. Nobody is perfect, right? 
And there are times where it takes me a little bit longer to understand the people I'm serving. Uh, some people you connect with instantly, right? That's in your personal and professional life. You, you just get each other right away. And some people, it just takes a little bit longer. And that requires patience and understanding and perseverance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's an important, important qualities to have as a leader, uh, is to also show that vulnerability in that space because I'm not always going to understand where someone's coming from, but if I can show that vulnerability and say, I'm not understanding, can you please clarify, maybe restating what they're saying and saying, is that what you mean when you're saying that? You're not only validating what that person's saying, but you also might be breaking down a barrier of misconception, <laughs> you yeah. know, because there is, there could be a lot of misconception in communication. Uh, so that's a really important piece too, is just to put out there that as I'm developing these relationships, They're not always smooth and seamless. Of course. You know, some are harder work than others, for sure. Right. And but that's also part of like, I know some of what I like to talk about regarding this stuff is the resilience part that you might see build up in in people or you see people that, you know, that need to work on on being able to start again or realize that they they have the opportunity every day to do something better or to start over or, you know, it seems so it's like such a common thing to think about, but we it is a very difficult and coveted skill. It's a skill to be resilient. And I think that we are, uh, in some ways, people need practicing with with things like that so much more now, because I guess kind of just finding ways to kind of not deal with what's in front of us is way easier now than it than it ever has been. We can push things off. We can find distractions. But I think um, helping people through being able to step forward and take risks that they wouldn't have taken before is also goes hand in hand with being resilient because you have to understand that if you take a risk, then it might not turn out the way the way you want it to be. And I think how we have to really cultivate those skills ourselves as adults in order to translate that to kids is something that is really worth thinking about. And this is getting to my point here. I was wondering, um, I'm also thinking about the role of self-reflection within that as, you know, within that whole framework. Um, and I know you and I talked about this a little bit the other day, but would love to hear you riff to quote our, our friend, Sean, our bandmate, Sean, <laughs> would love to hear you riff a little bit about any way that you think about or incorporate um, individual or even group reflection, like how does that how does that show itself, and and what do you see as a result of that as part of coaching? Yeah, that's a that's a really great question. So reflection is a really important part of any practice. It doesn't matter what career you're in, what field you're in, personally and professionally. When we are reflective people, we think about. You know, how are things going? You know, what can I do better? What went well? What can I do differently next time? And I find educators are in a constant state of reflection. I have personally never met an educator who isn't a reflective practitioner. And one of the things that I do for myself, because I think it starts with yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything starts with (laughs) yourself. If you want to coach people to be better versions of themselves. You don't want to ask them to be a version of you. You want them to be a version of themselves. That's the best, right? 
that's a, a an important part of leadership is how can we get people to be in that constant state of reflection where they're not compromising their own why, their own values, right? So I'm just thinking something practical off the top of my head. I think um, I always start the beginning of the year, and we're, we're heading into the beginning of the year soon, and I ask this question to the teachers. Why do you teach? You know, I could ask the same for leaders. Why do you lead? You know, what's your purpose? What is your why? And sometimes that's a hard question for people to answer because you really have to go back to your core values. Well, what is it that I value? You know, what comes first? Is it family? Is it my passions and interests for me? Mm -hmm. You know, it's my family. I love to write. That's how I reflect on my own learning. And I think about my own learning and I process. For some people, it's going to the gym. Right. <laughs> right. Um, for some people, it's um, hanging out with friends, going to the beach, wh whatever it is that you value. What you want to do is you need to create a space. Uh, for people to feel calm so that they could be in that state of reflection and then not only create that space and while asking that question, why do you lead? Why do you teach? But getting them to revisit that. That's important to take that same question and see the evolution of an educator, of a student, of whomever it may be that you're asking these questions to and getting them to respond again. And getting them to respond using any pathway they wish. Some people love to journal. Mm -hmm. Some people love speaking into a video. Some people love turning and talking, right? Right. Um, some people like jotting some thoughts on a post-it. Um, so giving choice through reflection is super, super important. Um, with that said, I'd like, I'd like to add this too. Um, my, my superintendent had recommended a book to me that I constantly revisit. And I know this question usually comes at the end <laughs> of, um, <laughs> of your podcast. That's okay. But I have to say it now. Um, it's The Four Agreements by mm -hmm. Don Miguel Ruiz. Have you ever read that book? Not in a while, but I have, yes. Yeah. It, it's, it's one of those, it's not a thick book. It's a pretty thin book. You can get through it pretty quickly. And I have it on my Audible and I have a hard copy of it. And one of the things, um, that's that's in that book is to be impeccable with your words, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're creating spaces for anyone to reflect about their practice, um, about who they are as a human being, you know, we have to use our words wisely in creating those spaces, right? Mm -hmm. Because words have the potential to create the world in which we're living in. So we have to be mindful of our word choice. And, and think about, you know, what are people's strengths? What are their hopes? What are their needs? You know, how can I support them to reflect with intention and purpose? So I think when we talk about reflection, it's just not something that we do. It's something that we have to live. And we want it to be something that comes authentically right. to people eventually. It's a practice that we want you know, after it, it doesn't have to be after every interaction or after every lesson we teach or after every professional development I lead. Right. If we're always doing that, that's that's we're too much in focus mode there. There's a little neuroscience. For you, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, it's it's when you're in that diffuse mode, like we were talking about the other day and you get to be in that re reflective space, you know, 
of um, connecting all the dots about, well, how did my week go? How did Mm -hmm. my day go? You know, that's when people really get to when they're most relaxed, right? When they don't have to be so focused on something. Uh, That's when we really get to reflect. But uh, I think reflection is something that is super important, especially in the profession of education, because we're working with people. Mm -hmm. We're working with children. We're working with families. And we always have to row in the direction of bettering ourselves because we're impacting the hearts and minds of kids at the end of the day. Right. So when we're better, they're better. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking about a few layers of things that you just said regarding reflection. I was trying to jot down a couple of them like, oh, I want to talk about this. And then you said something else. And I'm like, no, no, I want to go this direction. Um, (laughs) But I'm thinking, I'm actually also looking, um, I had your blog open from earlier from the uh, article that you had sent me, but then I started scrolling down it. And I was looking at your, it just happened to be open when you started talking about reflection, the the blog you have called Reflection to Action. Because I was thinking about what, well, as you were just talking, what it takes for somebody, for us to really not just reflect because I'm deeply reflective. Like you said, it's important for everybody. It's not just a professional thing. Like everybody, you know, reflection is like part of human growth and, and development. You know, really, if you're not reflecting or, um, intentionally, thinking deeply about what it is that you do or what you want to do or how you behave or anything, then then how are you able to to move to the next part of anything in your life, I think. One of our um, recent guests had a quote about, um, it was about mindfulness being action itself is a commitment to action, to moving forward. And so I think about reflection Like when you make, like decide and intentionally decide that I'm going to be a reflective person, um, and you make that a practice, you know, if you take that, if you are intentional about it and you take it seriously, it should naturally over time show itself as part of, you know, reflect in your actions. That, that actual writing and the actual recording of something is not the reflection part. Like, what is it that moves you forward? And so I'm just kind of riffing here about that, like the, the, the connection between what it means to, um, to actually, you know, to be mindful of what it is that you need to do to move forward. Otherwise reflections remain stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you're making great points and you're totally making sense. (laughs) Um, you know, as you're talking, I'm also thinking about gratitude. And I'm thinking of my friend, Lainey Rowell, who wrote the book Evolving with Gratitude. And she just came out with a bold gratitude journal, which is incredible. Uh, <laughs> shameless little plug for my friend. Yay. But I, the reason why I bring it up is that when I read her book about gratitude, I always felt like, how can I work gratitude into my practice? And gratitude is something that you do have to live and it looks different for everybody, When we're reflective people about what we're doing, it's almost like paying it forward. What are my next steps in whatever it is I'm doing? Well, for me, it's I'm going to show gratitude to that person who helped me figure out what my next steps are, whether they know it or not. So whether I'm listening to a podcast, Mm -hmm. for example, when I listened to the one with you and Sean, I messaged you. Right. Yeah. Right. That's something that I intentionally chose to do because 
I wanted to share with you how much I enjoyed it. And then I related to what you were talking about around mind wandering. Mm -hmm. I connected with that very much. I intentionally, while I was reflecting during that podcast, said, how can I now pay it forward? Well, I'm going to send you a message, right? Right. Some of the other ways I I do that is I do that with teachers all the time. I'll write them little notes. I'll send them little voice notes. Right. When I had my own classroom, I used to leave post-it notes on my students' desks about what they did really awesome. I saw. Did you have a picture of that on your blog with the picture with the post-its on the stones? Was that what that was? Yes. Yes. I love that was that. Uh, one of oh thank you. That was one of my last um days of teaching. Yeah. Um I, I read only one U to my students and I left them a rock. And each rock had um, a different, I I kind of selected a rock that I felt embodied each student. And I wrote them a post-it note to take with them. It jumped out at me just because it reminded me of a couple of things that I used to do routinely. Um, But it really requires like that the you're reflecting, like you said, on each individual student, but it does require that you are then taking that reflection and showing them that you actually know who they are. And so to me, that was, yeah, I used to write similar notes to, to students and that can get hard when you have 130 high school students. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I can imagine. Hmm, do I know all 130 of you this well? <laughs> um, let's, <laughs> let's see if we do, but yeah, sorry to interrupt you. I just was uh, remembering that I saw that. No, but we, we, I think we were just talking about from reflection to action, you know, how, how, when you're reflecting on things that are happening during the day or, um, you know, moments that happen in your life, how can you then use that moment and capitalize on that moment to propel you to your next step towards the future, right? Yeah. And I'm thinking also, and the answer on your end could be no, I've no idea, but, um, so feel free to, to answer this. <laughs> However, whatever the truth is, but, okay. um, I am wondering what it looks like to reflect in, in any form that it takes, but outside or outside of the individual, what happens when we, um, connect with another person or group or a department or building wide? What does reflection look like as a, school system, like as, as one whole building, is that exist in your experience? Um, something that I'm interested in and thinking about how you expand, like, you know, as you and I were talking the other day, I gave you little tidbits of how we at the optimalist are thinking a lot about what it means to reflect it moving into the future and also what it means to work together as an organization, any organization, as we move into the future, knowing that so many of the things that we do day to day, we can get done a lot more quickly as we start to have to adapt to like an increasingly technological world. And so how do we really think about that? Like what is, what is, um, this radical collaboration and radical community look like in an organization, like in a school building? Um, and does reflection together in some way have a part of that? So I was asking like if anything like that collective reflecting, exists in your experience in any of your experiences and and if it and if not like what does that look like This is a great question and I'm deeply thinking about it so the answer is yes this absolutely happens and I always say this you have to model what you want to see So as leaders 
if you want to create a reflective environment and create a culture of reflection, you need to be modeling that practice yourself. So that happens at the district level, that happens at the building level, then it happens at the classroom level, and then at the student level. You want that to filter down, right? Mm -hmm. So last year, I'm just using this as an example, my superintendent gave a beautiful uh, keynote during our convocation rooted in connection, how important it is to connect with your students and know your students. So as an admin team, what did we focus on? Um, And this is something I think we always focus on, but we were just being more intentional about it, are how are ways that we are going to connect with our staff, with our families, with our students? If we know who the people are who are surrounding us, that's when the deep learning is going to happen. One of the things that I do all the time is I really try to intentionally listen to the teachers that I work with. If they're mm-hmm. sharing with me about um, what they're doing this weekend, if they're having a birthday party for their child or some type of celebration, or maybe they're going through a hard time and there's something coming up that's uh, not so celebratory, I really try to listen and I try to follow up with that teacher. You know, I'll give them a space, some space, and then I might shoot them a text or an email and say, how did that go? And I'll name it. How was your, how was your son's second birthday party? I love that. Yeah. How how did the, how did the entertainer turn out? You know, if they're telling me, oh, I hired this person to come, I hope it works out. Or um, I ordered a cake from this bakery and I hope it's good. I've never tried it before. And, you know, those little small moves And remembering that, you know, the teachers get surprised, like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe you remembered that, Lauren. You're so busy. And that trickles down to students, too. That was something that I loved when when like a month would pass and I would ask a kid about something that they had told me or written about. And they were absolutely floored that I even was thinking about it, let alone remembered that they told me that thing. But then when you multiply that by every week, every month, like in the year goes by like that, that is a community that you build because if you're doing that with not just one person, but, you know, five, 10, 15 people, um, everybody knows. And then hopefully that people start to do things like that themselves as well. Um, and not just the example that you're giving, all sorts of things like that, that show not only your attention and your presence, but also your your willingness to be a part of moments with other people. Absolutely. And that's part of a coaching mindset as well, to Mm -hmm. be present and to be patient and to realize too. I know I should really add this, going back to your original question about the coaching mindset is to recognize that growth takes time. We can't expect to implement moves and change and think that it's going to happen every overnight. You know, these things aren't always as easy as they appear, right? It's those small collective moves that have that big impact that ignite change. Yeah. You know what? That's actually what I was thinking about. Um, I didn't say it this way earlier, but when I was bringing up resilience and also action, it's easy to give up or feel like we can't try something again or do something over because the actions, like you're calling them these small moves, these like little increments, they can feel in the immediate, like nothing is happening. And they can feel like it's like, 
sometimes a couple weeks will go by and you'll see a little bit of something moving or something feel like you're taking action or you have control. And then you might have a setback or feel like you're going back a little bit. But that's the way you react to that is part of the action. And I think that, and then reflection becomes even more important, you know, and I, and it's, it's really, really hard. And this is like what we talk about all the time, no matter who I'm, um, having a conversation with on this podcast or whatever writing that we're working on together or anything happening in the community, we're always thinking about what, what it means as a human being, um, in this world to really think about, um, you know, think about what, mo- what moves us forward and what inspires us and what keeps us reflecting and understanding that we are growing. It really is everything that we do now. We could easily ignore and do the easy thing. We could very easily just say no to the path that's difficult and the small steps and being able to recognize them, like you're saying that you are growing over time takes courage. It takes courage and it takes support. Growth and comfort cannot coexist. Right. You know, if, if we are too comfortable, then, then we're not learning. You know, we have to be a little, we have to be comfortable with discomfort mm-hmm. <laughs> through yep. the process too, because change is really hard. And, and whenever we are, this educational landscape that we're living in is constantly evolving and it's moving quickly. And the kids that are coming to us today, they are coming with different skills than they've come to us with years ago. And you're right. They're used to short bursts of information. They're looking Mm -hmm. at social media. They're looking at TikTok and Snapchat, and they like that short burst of information. So so slowing down and being mindful and getting um, a community of learners to um, connect, that could be a challenge sometimes. And you know that when you get to a place where you know, you're noticing that your colleagues or your students are having that stamina to get through that learning task, like, oh, this must be powerful and this must be worthwhile. Right. One of the ways to do that is knowing who they are. Mm -hmm. How do my colleagues learn best? How do my students learn best? What resonates with them the best? And a lot of the time it's planning learning experiences where people that people feel connected to and they value and what could they take with them that's meaningful to them that they can implement in their practice tomorrow. So going back to your question earlier about um, engagement and reflection um, about one of the things that I do is, you know, I asked, uh, oh, in connection, making sure that it filters through an organization Mm -hmm. is I asked the teachers, what book turned you into a reader? Mm. What a great question, right? Yeah, that is. Because, and when I asked that question, I had to look around the room and I was really watching all of the teachers go through their mental file cabinet going back (laughs) decades maybe in time when they really thought about that. So I had them curate their answers in a wakelet collection. And then when they get to see each other's answers, they're like, oh my goodness, I love that book too. That book was mentioned three times, like The Great Gatsby. Right. I love that book. Or the Baby's Club, Babysitter's Club series. <laughs> I love that book. Can you? Did you take your kids to see that movie? And, you know, I just sat back, that whole department meeting, I think. I don't even think I talked. I think everybody <laughs> was just 
so engaged in conversation, but talk about connection. So I'm doing something very intentional. I'm taking a question, which is, which is connected to literacy, right? Mm-hmm. And getting people to think about books that hook them as a reader and, and when they first became a reader. And then the cross pollination of ideas. Like, oh my goodness, I've never read that book. I must try that book. And, Oh, I can't believe maybe two teachers that aren't as close because they're not on the same grade level. They now realize that they have this book in common and now they're having this whole conversation. So I say, I stop the teachers and I say, Oh, wouldn't this be awesome to do with your students? Yeah. And you never know what, um, going back to just mentioning action again, like that is a reflective activity that then like promoted and encouraged people talking and connecting. And then you don't know, like you said, you don't know what becomes of that after people leave that room. You know, there might be a book club forming it amongst people that don't, that, that previously wouldn't have been speaking about books with each other. Or maybe it doesn't happen right away, but a couple months down the line, they cross paths again. And, you know, you just don't know what actions are going to come from just that simple moment, that moment that you drop that, a question like that, um, which is something that's always exciting to me. Yeah. Yeah. Who who knows? There could have been like a babysitter's club viewing, you know, (laughs) (laughs) an adult (laughs) slumber party. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Which I would love. Which now sounds really fun to me. And now I want to tell my mother to not throw out all of my middle school books that are in her basement. (laughs) Cause I had like all of those books, all of them. Um, so it's funny how even just a mention, like in passing of something from that time, just sends you into a whirlwind of uh, memory. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, okay. So we're kind of nearing the end to closing up here. Is there anything that you wanted to impart with people here? Um, maybe there are people that aren't real, that are kind of embarking or getting started on a journey of starting to really embody something like the coaching mindset, if you wanted to leave people with any advice for for really diving in this school year, that might be fun. Um, and then we'll move into, into our final questions. Sure. So um, if you're looking to embody a coaching mindset, I think it starts with understanding who you are, because who you are is how you lead, as Brene Brown would say. Mm, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I love that quote. And when you know who you are and what you value, you can then help others discover that. And it doesn't have to be the same as you. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of my missions and one of my purposes as a leader and something that I really live by, and, and this, this came to me really over time. It's kind of like the evolution of me is that I am here to serve so that I can recognize the gifts in others and that they can spread that goodness with others and the rest of the world. Mm, I love that. And if I were to impart anything on anyone today is help people discover their gifts, see the good in people, invite perspectives that are not of your own. You know, it's nice to commiserate and have people who agree with you, but it's awesome to have different perspectives. And, you know, my, again, I'll bring back my mentor, Linda Roth, who was my teacher, and I still speak to her every week. Um, she, she said to me as I was going through all my interview processes for, um, you know, being a leader, she said, Lauren, you know that saying, great minds think alike. She said, I think great minds think differently. 
Mm. So really um, invite people, different people into your space and learn from them. Learn from the room. We are better together. Use the expertise of others. Um, I'm a big fan of distributive leadership is to really elevate others, capitalize on their gifts and work together. You don't have to know it all. Even in a coaching mindset, that's a coaching mindset is to elevate others, use their gifts and create something beautiful together. And that's really my advice. Be collaborative. As my friend Stephanie Rothstein would say, she's a wonderful person, (laughs) someone you should also have on this podcast. I know her. I know of her. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. She's amazing. She'll say, you know, education should be less competitive and more collaborative. Mm -hmm. I agree. Um, You know, Theodore Roosevelt said, um, comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. You know, focus, focus on what you want to do. What are your goals? What impact do you want to make on the world and share your gifts? So that's my advice. <laughs> uh, well, that was a perfect summary. Sometimes when I ask people for advice at the end, they weren't expecting it because I never know what I'm going to say. <laughs> so, but that was a, that was a great, um, I think little package of, of leadership advice. So thank you. And you know what? I, I owe it to my writing because if I wasn't, a, if I didn't write constantly, it wouldn't have came to me so quickly, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't have come to me so quickly. I'm sure that's your reflective process. And I think it's yes. really clear because mm-hmm. you're, yeah, your blog is really prolific and we'll, we'll um, link to it in the show notes and um, you can, you can ask people to follow you uh, in momentarily when we get to that ending portion. But before we do that, I want to just um, give you an opportunity to share anything that you are reading or watching or even listening to, and that could be music or podcasts, audiobooks. So anything you want to share with us in any amount of detail, this is the time to do it. So we can get a full <laughs> picture of what what's, what's being um, pulled into your brain these days. Okay. So uh, this is a loaded question because Like uh, some other people have shared with you on your podcast, Mm -hmm. I'm not just reading one book at a time. I'm reading multiple books at a time. And I I haven't always been that way, by the way. This is something that has happened in the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. I read a little of this, and then I read a little of that, and then I get ideas and piece them together. So um, the first thing, first book I want to share, a friend recently shared this book with me. It's a picture book. And I know that this is only audio, but I'm holding, but you can see me. So I'm holding up this beautiful Oh, I have that book. Um, Yeah. Yes. It's called (laughs) The Boy, the Mole, The Boy, the Mole, the Fox, and the Horse uh, by Charlie McKay. And I think I said it correctly. And if I I don't, forgive me. Um, But this, I, when I read this book, the font in the book, um, it's kind of scripty Mm -hmm. and it really makes you stop and slow down as you read it. Yeah. And you're not just skimming it, you're really savoring the words. And every page in this book is like a beautiful quote that needs to be shared with the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, I'm going to read this quote from the book because I actually tweeted it a couple of days ago. Um, it, it really got to my heart. It says, being kind to yourself is one of the greatest kindnesses, said the mole. So, um, mm-hmm. it, this is just such a beautiful book. And I'm, I'm actually thinking about sharing it with all of my teachers this year because I think there are such beautiful lessons learned in this book. Um, another book, um, I'm sorry, did you want to say something? Oh, no. I actually was going to say, I okay. think it was recently put into a film too, wasn't it? 
I think it was. It's a. I didn't it's a see short, it. Yeah, a short animated film, and I haven't seen it either. This is a book that I just discovered a couple of weeks ago, and even though it's been around for a little while, um, another book that I'm reading now. We're reading as an admin team, actually, is uh, Getting to Neutral by Trevor Moad. It's a wonderful book. It's not necessarily rooted in education, but it's all about how when you're living a life that's a little bit chaotic at times, how do you get to a, a neutral place where you're not being overly positive? Because sometimes when you're overly positive, when you're in a space of chaos, isn't really the answer. Um, but getting to a place where saying, what is my next step? What's in front of me? What do I need to do next? And then focusing just on what's in front of you instead of the whole picture, which can be overwhelming sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Trevor, um, he, he's passed away since he's written the book, but it was, the book was published, I think in 2021 and he passed away shortly after, mm-hmm. um, he gives some real beautiful, um, nuggets of advice in the book for how to live your life feeling a little bit more balanced. So that so that's one that I'm reading right now. Uh, another one that I'm reading is called The AI-Infused Classroom by Holly Clark um, because it's I'm, I'm captivated by AI and uh, chat GPT, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to learn ways that I can lift the level of professional learning experiences and making it relevant for the teachers um, this year and how can they embed some of these AI techniques to uh, make writing a little bit more easier, a little more easy for their Mm -hmm. students or a little more seamless, I should say. And, you know, AI is not going away. So how can we use technology to enhance our writing um, and not replace, again, our human intelligence? uh, But this is a real great practical book. Mm -hmm. Another one I'm reading is Leading the Whole Teacher by Allison Apsey. I love Allison's voice. She she's a, uh, was a principal for many years. Now she's a consultant. Uh, she also just wrote the book Lead with Collaboration with Jessica Gomez, and they have some wonderful practical tips um, about how to lead staff meetings with real practical, fun, engaging activities. <laughs> And I have to give a shout out to The Innovator's Mindset by George Kuros. He has always been a mentor to me. And uh, I always revisit that book. It's a timeless book uh, when I need some inspiration. And uh, I, I, podcasts, I oh my gosh, I'm constantly listening to podcasts. <laughs> I, I, me too. I, if I listed them all, we would be here another two hours. Well, what's the last thing you listen to then? What's the last one? I was actually like listening to the Cool Cat Teacher, Vicki Davis's okay. 10 minute podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I listened to yours right before then, preparing for this <laughs> podcast. And I always listen to Sean's and I love Adam Grant's podcast and Brene. Oh, Brown. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I haven't listened to Adam Grant in a while. I have to go back. Oh, yeah. I love his Rethinking podcast. And of course, Lainey Rowell's um, Evolving with Gratitude mm-hmm. podcast. But the 10 minute teacher podcast. I, I often share that with my teachers because they have, um, you know, it's just short bursts of mm-hmm. conversations around very different topics. And she's having this whole series on AI, on how we can implement um, and use AI in our classrooms. And it's a whole series on it. So she's inviting different guests about how they have used AI in their classrooms. And so I like it and I share it with teachers because time uh, is of the essence in education and 
you know, that's one thing that we just don't have enough of. And I feel like a 10 minute podcast for teachers is, is easily, it's doable. It's something I can even have them listen to in a staff meeting. Yeah. Um, and then reflect on it. So I, I love her concept around these, the, the short, remember we we're talking about like short bursts of information, mm-hmm. like these short, short bursts of conversations that are really impactful. Yeah. And 10 minutes is way different than five minutes. You can really get pretty deep in a 10 minute period of time, especially if you are doing a series, like you're saying, if you do multiple sections like that, um, all about one thing, like all about AI, it builds up over time, especially if you're doing it together and then reflecting or talking about it or writing about it. Um, 10 minutes is, is a good chunk, I think. Absolutely. Cool. Well, that's, I'm like, was furiously typing down all these, all the, um, <laughs> you might now I'm just counting one, two, three, four, five. You might actually be the most books. You may have just topped it. The most books, um, that anyone has recommended in one episode. I think four was the leader before that, but you're right. So many people are, um, doing that these days. They have usually multiple genres. Um, I'm someone that does a fiction and a nonfiction at once. They don't not necessarily related to one another, but I like to turn off one part of the brain and turn on the other back and forth. Um, so often that's what, what I'm doing, or I'll have like something really old, like the great Gatsby that I was reading with Sean last week, um, <laughs> something really old around and then pair it like at the same time reading something that's like a brand new release. So trying to, to keep my brain moving, moving, um, in different directions. Um, and now we're yeah. up to the very, the very, very last question is if you could give us or some insight into an attention, a method of attention or focusing that you use to stay present or, um, mindful or to get yourself in the zone of, it could be a, a, something that gets you in the zone for working or focusing on something that you need to do or something that helps you be present and attentive just in your life. Um, if you have something to share with us. I do. So I think this is something I struggle with a lot. I have my hands in a lot of different things and I'm always multitasking and I need to actually stop and slow myself down at times to say, Lauren, um, it's okay if that doesn't get done right now or you need a minute to just breathe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so the only thing that really gets me there and, and I'm a work in progress. I really, I really am. Um, because I am very guilty of, uh, doing too many things at once, but what gets me to slow down is going for walks every single day, especially when the weather is nice. I love my outside walks, um, because that's a time for me to either listen to music, to listen to a podcast, to listen to a book on Audible. And I have gotten some of my best ideas on my walks because I am now in diffuse mode. I've Mm -hmm. been paying attention so much during the day uh, that this is my time. It's me time. I mean, not only am I an educator, but I'm also a mom and a wife and (laughs) I have other responsibilities. I'm constantly running to baseball and basketball and I don't have a lot of me time, but that is my me time. Um, and I really take it seriously. And if I don't go for my walk, I find myself getting a little bit, um, antsy. Because you, you say know? agitated. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm agitated and I, and I feel the anxiety coming on and I feel that, and writing is another one for me, Sarah. Um, mm, if I haven't right. written in a while, uh, and for me, that, that might bring on anxiety for other people. If they say, oh, you now have to write. 
that might be like anxiety provoking, mm-hmm. but for me, it centers me, it grounds me. And if I all of a sudden develop an idea and often I do it on my walks, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to sit down now and I need to write. And everybody mm-hmm. knows, don't bother mommy while she's writing <laughs> because I have to just get it all out and I can't be interrupted. And once I do, I feel like I could breathe again. Yeah. Um, so those are my two uh things that I do. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people can relate to that as well. Um, I mean, we, a lot of people talk about variety, different varieties of what it means to be alone outside in nature or to do something like you specifically said my walks outside. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of people do point out and, and they, even if they are not, you know, whether they're listening to something or not, it's always that your attention is on you really you know whether you're whatever it is that you're doing if you're choosing to listen to something while you walk your it doesn't matter like your attention is on the on yourself and the thing that you want to be engrossed in during that time and it's almost like this bubble right and and the hope is that we learn how to really be mindful of our individual need for that uh, cuz so many so many people neglect that need and and even when you're talking about feeling that like intrinsic pull to go and write because you've thought of something or you um, were inspired by something, whatever it is, like you have to do it now. So many people ignore that. They feel that. And they say, um, I'm always like talking to other writers about stuff. And one of the things they say a lot is the, um, you know, the ignored creative life is one of, one of the hardest lives to live. If you're not getting out that, that like that pull and you ignore it, then you would, you would feel like a part of yourself is missing and a part of your life is not being expressed. So I totally get that. Uh, I didn't mean to go so deep there at the end as we're winding up, but I had to connect that. That's that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) So Lauren, it was so awesome that Sean connected us. And I think he connected us without you knowing that he was connecting us because you were connecting us privately in my DMs like while listening to us talk. Um, When he finds out how much we talk about him during this episode, he's going to laugh. But (laughs) he he, uh, probably doesn't didn't realize that you were DMing me while he was saying, like telling me that you should be on here. And then two days before <laughs> that was tagging you or tagging me in a tweet saying like, you guys should know each other. Um, yeah. And just so everyone knows, like Lauren's from Long Island. I'm from Long Island. She was, she spent a lot of her time when she was in her twenties in Los Angeles. I live in Los Angeles. So Sean was like, it sounds like you guys have um, some things to talk about. <laughs> Um, so it's yes. really cool. It's really cool to have that connection. <laughs> um, my first Long Islander that I'm having on this show, you are, you are, um, the, the number one right now. Uh, Aww, <laughs> before we go, the I last thing I'm going to ask you is to share anywhere that you would like listeners to find you or follow you on any social media and, um, websites that you would like them to go to and anything that you mentioned, we will make sure we link to in the show notes. Uh, thank you, Sarah. So yeah, you can connect with me on pretty much all social media as at Lauren M. Uh, that's my middle name, Michelle Kaufman. And um, so you can find me there on Twitter. Or I guess you call, we are calling it X now, right? <laughs> A little confusing. I'm calling um, it Twitter. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, I got I have to still call it Twitter. Yeah, I'm, I'm I it's that's a it's a hard one. I really yeah. kind of miss that little bird. <laughs> Me I too. I just seen the little bird. Um yeah, so you, Lauren M Kaufman and then also on Instagram Lauren M Kaufman and I just signed up for Threads today. Mm-hmm. I I'm, I don't know much about it yet, but I'm on there, Lauren M Kaufman. And you can go to my website um, and contact me there. Uh, my email's on there and, you know, anything you want to know about me. Uh, I, I really call it my portfolio at mm. laurenmkaufman.com. So uh, connect with me. I love connecting with educators. Yeah. <laughs> or and, anybody. Who wants and to. you're very active out there too. I do now that as soon as it's one of those things that like the soon as soon as I was connected to you, now I'm seeing you in places like you're, you're very, um, active and a good person to connect with online, I think. And the thread, I think you're now for also officially the first person to plug their threads account on here. As well. <laughs> um, they're starting to pile up, right? All the things we have to tell people about ourselves. <laughs> I know, you know what? And like one space that I'm not in and everybody else's, I know, I don't know if I'm, if, if what you'll think of me, but I am not on TikTok. And oh, I'm not either. I'm, and most people are, and I, I just don't know. Like, I, I, I say to myself, I just don't, I don't want to be get into. I just don't want to be. I don't know if I can get into another space. It's just another no, distraction it's too for many. me. <laughs> like, we don't. Like, first of all, we don't need any of them, and we are doing. We're we're putting ourselves out there because we are finding ways to make them meaningful. At least, at least the people I think that we interact with are doing them in, in a way that's meaningful. But we don't need another one. <laughs> That's what I think. Exactly. That's Um, how I'm feeling right now. To be pulled into another direction. Okay. Well, it was great to have you here. And I know that we'll be talking very soon now that we are connected in almost every space on earth. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much, Sarah. It was a pleasure. I'm, I'm honored. Thank you for having me. Many thanks to Lauren for joining me today to talk about how important it is to inspire leadership in every one of our teachers, who then in turn will go and inspire the same ideals in our students. But I want to know what you thought. You can let us know by leaving a comment on Substack, a review in Apple Podcasts, and you can reach me on Twitter at scandela 9 You can listen and subscribe to The Optimalist Podcast wherever you love listening to great podcasts. New episodes are released every Wednesday and links to all of these resources are available in the show notes. The Optimalist podcast is brought to you by Engageable, the only app that gives you the mindful pulse you need for better attention. And it's free. Create an account today at getengageable.com or by downloading Engageable on any iOS or Android device. You can also follow us at getengageable on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening to The Optimalist. I'll be back next week with a new conversation. Stay engaged.